us, is this the lunch loop? If so, um, we wish to cancel. Um, we do not wish to belong to that or to pay this anymore. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Lunloop Podcast. This week, unfortunately, I've got to work my daughter's school festival Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so I did not get a chance to record a new podcast. However, I'm not going to leave you hanging. On Wednesday, I did a pretty extensive Twitter spaces with my buddy Joe Fami. If you don't know Joe, he's a fantastic investor and trader, super helpful and knowledgeable guy. Uh, we also had some other guests on the podcast. People ask questions. I think it's a pretty cool and informative uh, little session there. Now, it was recorded on Wednesday before we had our little rally on Friday, or our decent rally on Friday. But I think that all of the information there is still relevant. So check that out. And I will see you next week with a brand new edition of the Lundloop podcast. So I want to bring in Brian. How are you, my friend? Good. Hey, you'll have to forgive me if you hear a little buzzing in the background. I'm having the uh, A in my Luna tattoo turned into a D. Because of Lund. So, oh, that's uh, hilarious. Boy. Uh, yeah, look, I it, it, Tom kind of stole my thunder because he, he's saying exactly the same things I'd be saying. Um, it's a really, uh, it's a frustrating market to have a, a, a subscription service or a, a group of followers because all you're telling them is like, don't do anything. You know, that's what I'm basically saying is just step aside. I mean, even yeah. if you are like, I've been doing this 35 years and <clears throat> I don't even feel like I'm, uh, I want to step foot in on a daily, you know, on an intraday basis and try to uh, day trade. So I agree. It's a, it's a really weird market because it's, it's trying to kill everybody. You know, it's trying to kill shorts. It's trying to kill longs. It's trying to kill you if you're in bonds, if you're in equities, it's, it, you know, it's trying to kill the crypto market. So it's just, it's a dangerous time. And as I've said before, it's spring. There's lots of flowers outside. The weather here in Southern California is great. So I don't think getting away from your, your screens is the worst thing right now. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. I literally feel like a broken record. I don't know how many times in a row I can say stay defensive and be patient. But look, some people say to Tom's point, oh, I got to make money. And my response to that is like, look, there are times that you can make money in the markets, your priority should be protecting it right now. Um, and if you are going to trade, uh, to Tom's point, like you can be on margin in a good uptrend, low volatility, and uh, go out and golf. But like, if you even with light, if you're going to do anything, just keep things super, super light because it's just like I, I, I don't want to. I'm not doom and gloom. I'm just I, I look at the positives and the negatives, and there's just too many negatives adding up right now. And I don't um, think people understand like how far these moves can go. I, I agree with Tom. We're due for a face ripping rally. I'm I'm sure it's going to come at some point, but it, it's, it's a binary move. Like there's no, you're not going to have any clues the day before that it's going to happen. And um, I just, I keep hearing people, people that are smart that should know better that say, well, I'm going to pick this up because it can't go lower. And, you know, I feel like we're, there's a, we're going to have a liquidity problem here. Like, as, as I've been talking about, you can't get these extended moves in the dollar and in bonds and in muted bonds. Like, I'm not a macro guy, but even I know that these things break uh, models. So I think we're going to have a liquidity issue here at some point. We're going to see something blow up, whether it's a product or a, a fund. 
And, and then once that happens, market mechanics start taking over and you see, you know, you see in the, the stock market things like you're seeing now in crypto, you have Luna blowing up and, um, like I'm not a crypto expert. I don't even. You play follow? One of those yeah, I wanted to get you in because I know you follow crypto more than I do. What what did what did you see today in the crypto world? So I, I'm going to say this. I'm sure all the crypto people out there are going to freak out and justifiably because I I'm a, a luddite when it comes to to crypto. But you know, basically, it, there used to be this game. If you grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, it used to be a game called Kerplunk, and it was this there was this this acrylic cylinder that you would put little sticks in through these little holes and then you drop marbles on the top and the game was to pull a stick and you want to pull the stick that made the most effect like it's like a old school jenga and if you pulled the right stick all the marbles started to come down so luna is a is a crypto coin or vehicle that's tied into many different other crypto coins it's it's pegged to i'm not even getting to it but it's very interwoven as as is much of crypto and so you see this Luna go from 120 to a dollar in about two, three weeks, and it's starting to have repercussions out throughout the rest of crypto. And I just feel that so much of crypto is built on, on a house of cards anyway, that, you know, I, I worry that we're going to see a lot more downside in that, that. And I, you know, crypto has originally was uncorrelated to the market. Now it's very correlated to the market and it's just hard to see this much, uh, you know, this much money disappear without there being some serious repercussions. So like, like I said, I don't really know, I'm not a crypto guy, but like I know market behavior and I know price action and I can tell when it's bad and it's bad right now in both crypto and in the, the stock market. Yeah, no, when it's risk off, they just sell everything. I mean, I'm trying to like be open-minded when I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, okay, higher volatility, the, you know, we're, we've seen, 1% moves in the S&P, which based on the VIX, obviously, you know, we're, we're to expect now about 2% roughly every day. So higher volatility, any rally you can't sustain. Uh, I've talked about and wrote for a while that until the Fed's done, we're not going to see any sustainable upside. I still am expecting those one to three day short covering rallies that can be strong. And I'm not even, you know, I mean, it'll come, but uh, to Tom's point, like you'd expect it at some point soon. And it just, it's like spitting into the wind, you know, that just everything's getting sold into. Um, institutions are still selling three accelerating weeks on the NASDAQ of higher and higher and higher volume. So they control the markets. You don't want to be in the way of that. Five straight down weeks on the S&P. I know the week's not over this week, but, you know, that hasn't happened first time in 11 years. I mean, all the signs are adding up. And, um, you know, so someone is like, OK, great, Joe, you've depressed the shit out of me. Now what? My only my only like positive uh, message or the biggest you know, I'm trying to keep things optimistic is we're going to have some tremendous opportunities. You just got to wait patiently for the dust to settle. There's going to be think- great. Up- go ahead. Go ahead. I think the question that people have to ask themselves right now, because, you know, the Trump card everyone uses is time. Well, I'll just I'm long term. I'll invest in something and I'll wait five, 10 years. I think the question you have to ask yourself now is, first of all, what will survive? Right. A lot of these beaten down growth stocks may not survive. And if they even if they do survive, they may just go sideways for a decade or so. So I think the first question you have to ask yourself if you're just going to buy indiscriminately is like, what am I buying? You know, maybe it's better to be buying. Uh, I, I'm telling people right now, let your 401k, your IRA and your 
dollar cost averaging do the work right now? You know, buying those indexes, buying those ETFs. Um, so I think that's the first question you have to ask yourself. Uh, and then the second question is, do I have to really do anything? You know, like you said earlier, people say, well, I have to make money, but do you? Like how many people out there are professional traders that need to, you know, hit a P&L number every month? And if you don't, I think you just step aside um, and just wait for the dust to settle. Uh, hopefully you've been building cash uh, over the last few months. And then you get your, you know, you've said this so many times, Joe, you get your shopping list out. You see which stocks showed the best relative strength, even in a down market, right? Even though they're down a lot, they were be- they, they act better than their contemporaries. And then those are the ones you keep an eye on as the new market leaders when we get to a different phase of the market. Yeah, I mean, what to do, there's just so many, you, you know, you bring up a good point about, um, you know, it, there's so many variables because what to do depends on how you're positioned. Are you a trader where you're sitting in almost all cash and you're just looking to scalp or maybe sit out? Are you talking about your 401k? Are you talking about, you know, retirement IRAs? And then also, do you trade individual stocks? Do you trade ETFs? I mean, I always say if you have a 10, 20, 30 year time horizon and your 401k, do, you know, just keep adding to those index funds because over time they go up. So like, it's not investment advice. I just think that, you know, Josh Brown talks about this. If you're young, you love stuff like this because you're, you're able to dollar cost average in the index, but the index has always come back. And I've talked about this for a while, but individual stocks don't always come back. I don't know if we lost Tom or if he's on mute. Thin twit arguments would be solved. Degree we. Have. Oh, there I am. I had my mic off. And I think you. Oh, uh, you are. I figured. I'm like. I'm like. Tom's been too okay quiet for too long. To dollar cost average. Average when things are going down in indexes, not so much in individual stocks. That's the problem. Is people think they can just dollar cost in a individual stock. They get overweighted in that stock, and it 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 wrecks them. So. If you're going to do that, you want to do that in, in a broad-based and diversified you know, index, ETF, whatever, not a single stock or even a couple stocks. Yeah. Tom, right. you were going to say something? Well, there's a few things. I mean, part of it is people need to step back and take a perspective on where we've come from. I mean, we, we are at the end of, what, a 13-year bull market in the NASDAQ and in, and in the S&P and the Dow, but specifically in the NASDAQ. And you, you look at the move that's been made since the, since the bottom in 2009, and you look at where we were, and you look at where we went to, and I don't, I'm trying to find, get it on my screen to find out what the exact, there it is. Um, sorry, I should like know this shit right off the top of my head. But yeah, we went from 1,000 in the NASDAQ 100 to 16,000, 16,007, almost 17,000 in 13 years. That's insane. And it's all, and that is when the aggressive QE of the Fed started. And it never stopped, folks. They never stopped. They backed it off sometimes, but then they accelerated it and they backed it off. But they never stopped QE through this entire 12 to 13 year period. And now they're not only stopping it, but they're reversing it. So, I don't know what that means, but we've come down 25%. And from 2000 to 2003, the NASDAQ came down, what, 80%? And I'm not projecting that that, that's what's going to happen, but you at least have to understand 
what's capable, what, what the market is capable of and what is possible in the midst of a tightening cycle with restrictive Fed policy, um, as well as a, a recession that get, kind of gets settled into that, because there's trickle effects. I mean, this is going to trickle into real estate. And how many people have got all kinds of equity in their real estate that they borrowed against that if real estate drops down 10 to 20 percent after it went up 100 percent? People are going to be underwater again, and you're going to have that problem. I don't know if that's coming or not, but it's certainly a possibility. So, so the Nasdaq pulling back to you know eight thousand or ten thousand, I think it's still you know the uptrend. If you run a regression, the, the uptrend is still intact on a bigger, broader base. But we're just kind of this. So far, this move, as painful as it feels, is still just a reversion to the mean of the longer term trend that we've had. Um, yeah, I, I mean, 11, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I mean, I keep having to remind myself as bad as this feels, we went through 13 years minus, you know, a little bit of a quick scare in COVID and a little bit of a quick scare in, in, in 15 and, you know, they've been a couple other blips, but this is the first, okay, we got a lower high and, and, and now we've really sold to where we're, we're, we're moving into a, a big distribution phase. And unfortunately, and as the charts, as you look through them, say, this could keep going for a while with some some bounces. And so, I, I don't want to mislead anybody. I want people to be prepared for that. But it's 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 frustrating, for sure. And yeah, no. Is, is, well, the only thing I'll say is these people that keep saying, "Well, I'm just going to hold." Let's take Square, Block, whatever, whatever, you know, SQ. I think I think it topped out at 300 and it traded all the way down at 71 today, which is actually not nearly as bad as a lot of its other buddies that have gone down 80, 90 percent. But let's say Square keeps trading down to fifty dollars and you're like, that's OK. It's a great company. They're you know, they're involved in all kinds of stuff They're Well. Why is it why has it been cut in half and then cut in half again, then what's going on there? Will it ever come back? It may not come back. It may get down to 50 and then it may just base there and just trade dead sideways until, say, somebody like Microsoft comes along in two and a half years and buys them out at 70. Well, meanwhile, you still own it at 200 and you never got your money back. So they don't come back. Even the good ones don't come back a lot of times. I mean, I'll never forget how Microsoft went sideways for, I want to say it was like 12 years. Yeah, it was like 12 to 15 years, yeah. yeah and we've, we've went, talked about this. Cisco, Intel, they didn't even yeah. re- eclipse their 2,000 highs, yeah. Right, absolutely nowhere for 15 years. So after, you're, after just bring, you're bringing up the possibilities of this happening. Now, obviously, we don't know if this is going to happen, but the, the no. question I have is that I hop on some of these spaces and it is, like, miserable. It is like these people are like, this is worse than 2008. No, it's not. It's not. And I'm just like, okay, it definitely sucks right now. The technicals are horrible and there's clearly selling. And I don't even know what else to say besides the market sucks. But I am optimistic because I've talked about this story so many times when I used to trade, uh, whatever, my first, I've been doing this 25 years, the first you know, 10, 15 years, I, I used to get really depressed during corrections because I didn't understand market cycles. I used to just think recency bias, we're going down, so we're just going to go down forever. Yeah. And until I understood the whole Peter Lynch, like, 
there's been 30 or 40 bull markets, 30 or 40 bear markets, corrections. Like you understand cycles that we're just whether it's a bear market, a downtrend, who really gives a shit that the terminology, who cares? We're in a correction right now. But I used to not understand that coming out of corrections is guess what? A new uptrend in a new bull market. Right. And then and then what ends that bull market is another bear market in correction. And it's just cycles. So my point is that I don't buy this is going to turn into 08. Um, nope. As you say, be dumb and follow price and don't overthink the macro. Because if you right. do, you could go down a freaking rabbit hole that'll drive you nuts. You know, but I think coming out of this will be tremendous, tremendous opportunities to Brian's point about great relative strength names. It just requires discipline and patience right now, which I'm not saying I have it either. I'm just saying it, it tests a lot of people's will right now. Yeah, yeah I think Tom, is, Tom, go ahead. I think Tom right. makes a good po- a good point. Like, I think this will be like I think this will be like 99 for some stocks like Peloton's never going to be 170 again. It's just not nope. right. And there's a lot of those growth stocks that are never they're not even going to get they're not going to get 25 percent of their move down back. So I think it's all about where you are, like the Apples, the Googles, the Microsofts, maybe even the Netflix. Yes, they'll they'll respond to cycles like, you know, like you said, historically. But I think there will be a, a significant amount of stocks and, and more importantly, a significant amount of stocks that people have concentrated in the last two years that are never getting back to their highs. They're probably not getting halfway back to their highs. And that's the, that's the risk I think that Tom's speaking about is what if we just yeah. go sideways? Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, are, dead, you're, are we, you're holding dead, go stocks, ahead. dead stocks and dead money. And, and it's like, like, I don't think that like crypto's not dead. It's just, unfortunately we've, I don't know what's going on out there, but assets are all tied together now. And you've got these, you know, multi-billion dollar, hedge funds and money managers who are very involved in stocks and crypto and currency markets and, you know, fixed income markets and whatever. And right now they're kind of having to figure out how to, how to create liquidity for all of it. But, you know, crypto's new and, and Brian understands it way better than I do, but, but there's a tipping point where they're all kind of attached to each other and, and you, you start having these liquidity events That'll, that are going to wash it out. You look at like Coinbase and it's just getting annihilated right now. But somebody's going to come along that's better than Coinbase and somebody that's smarter than Coinbase and, and has a, a better business plan, a better technology. Um, and, and there's going to be new, you know, new digital assets and new digital discoveries. And like NFTs are just getting the shit kicked out of them right now. They're getting obliterated because they got created during this period of excess in the last two to three years and took off. And, 90% of them are going to end up being not worth very much, if anything at all. But the concept is still valid and the ideas are still valid and there's still, you know, value that that industry is going to create. They're going to create some amazing stuff. But right now it's like, like I tried to, like I've, I, I, I'm involved in a certain amount of, uh, like I'm involved with something called Zed where I, I, where, where we're doing digital horse racing and I, it's fun. And I'm fascinated by it. But the economics drive me absolutely batshit crazy. And trying to, you know, I, I've got I've got wrapped ETH in the account. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I want to convert that to cash. Well, I've got to convert it from wrapped ETH to ETH. But i got to go buy this, this Matic token so that I can pay the gas with Matic. And it's like, fuck. You're like, this, this sounds like a fun process. 
Well, it's just kind of like, I just, I just want to be able to, to click a button and have it be cash and put it into my, t- and it's like, it's just not that easy because there's a lot of innovation that still needs to come along so that it becomes user-friendly for guys like me that don't really fully understand it. <laughs> um, but, but we're we're talking about a couple of different things. Where I agree with what yeah, Brian said um, that that certain stocks, I hate to say this, are just are going to be like ninety nine. They're never coming back. They're never coming the, back. They'll either be dead money at best for a long time and base out forever, or a lot of them will be obsolete. And we might say, hey, remember X, Y, and Z? Remember them during the pandemic? Well, I mean, a lot of these companies, I hate to say this, the technology behind a firm, behind DocuSign, behind all the even Square and PayPal, like. And I know, oh, my goodness, I use those companies all the time. I'm just saying the technology isn't exactly, like, proprietary, you know. I mean, you can, you can replicate. The, the list is endless of companies you can replicate their technology. They don't have any sort of, like, whatever the word is, like, um, cutting-edge niche, like, proprietary stuff. And well, business I, models change. I mean, I remember back, way back in the day when people were talking about cell phones. And cell phones were going to be the big thing. And here's the companies you needed to invest in. You need to invest in Nokia. You need to invest in Ericsson. You need to buy their stocks, right? And for a while, those were hot stocks. But what happened? The industry changed. Cell phones became commodities. And then yeah. who, are the big, who are the big cell phone companies now? Google, Apple, right? So, it, you know, you're right, Joe. Uh, what moats does a firm have, right? What, what moat does Peloton have? I mean, there's so many of these companies that None. The, the, the prices that we saw coming out of COVID, those were the distortions, the ones that we're at right now, we may be a little oversold on some of these, but these are the prices that are more back in line with reality. So, and that's where people are confused. They think that, oh, we're this is the distorted price way down here. Well, no, it was the real distorted price at 170. And I think the positive side of it is people are willing to listen now to, to a certain degree because it, it, you know, and I tweeted that the other day, just kind of sort of tongue in cheek about how, you know, the generation that's going through this in 25 years is going to be dropping F-bombs and telling people, you know, how, how, how scary the stock market can actually be, kind of referring to that's what I feel like I am now. Um, but every all my warnings and, and stuff that I kind of started laying out a while ago, it just fell on deaf ears because people didn't want to hear it because they were making money hand over fist. And, you know, we have an opportunity, you know, us old guys, Joe, Brian, me, you know, a bunch of other folks, you know, to, to continue to try and educate and, and people are willing to listen. And this is, this is where people get the opportunity to become much better investors and much better traders uh, so that they can learn how to navigate these things. So whatever uh, ass beating they, they took this time around doesn't happen again. I uh, kind of agree with that, but I'm not picking on ARC funds, but they still had inflows last week. And that that ETF is down eight to ten percent every single day. It seems like, yeah. or whatever, three to ten percent every single day for like since the beginning of April. I don't know if people are quite there yet. It's definitely sentiment is hard to read because, as I've said, there's like eight to twelve different sentiment measures. Some are surveys, some are what actually people are doing. So I try to look at it collectively, but. For sure, sentiment has gotten up there as far as bearish sentiment, but I don't think we're at extremes. And someone asked me, well, when are we going to get there? I was like, I don't know. We'll just see it in the data. But I still think there are people like learning, but there are a lot of people hanging on to quote unquote hope. 
Yeah. I mean, it took me two and a half major down cycles before I figured it out. Like I tried to fight the, the down cycle in 2000. I tried to try to fight the up cycle and the down cycle in the, the uh, financial crisis. And this one, I don't know, it's just because I'm older and I just don't have the energy or just like, you know, Brian says, if they don't scare you out, they wear you out. I just said like, ah, I just don't want to do that this time, you know? <laughs> so I am, but I get it. Like when you're young and you know, you've got all yeah. this time and energy, like you, you, you want to go for it. But all I can say is that the, if you're, if you're on this call right now and you're 20, 30, 40, even 40 years old, you've got decades ahead of you in, in the market if you are smart and if you can serve your capital. And I guess the takeaway on these, these stocks that have been uh, killed is like, you don't have to make your money back the same way you lost it, right? You don't have no. to make money back in Peloton if you wrote it down. You can get out of Peloton, get into, take that money, whatever's left and get into the next leader. Um, what you certainly don't want to do is throw good money after bad. And, um, and I almost think that going sideways is worse. You know, if you have a company that goes out of business, okay, at least there's some closure there, right? You lost your money. But, but to just watch a company like fuel cell out of, you know, coming out of 1999, just go down and down and down and go to sleep for 20 years. It's, it's super painful and frustrating. So a couple of things I want to ask you guys, cause you guys are both good at, as like, as far as being well-rounded with your lives and so forth. How do you encourage or I don't want to say teach people sit out power because some people have asked me, they're like, okay, you say sit out. Like, how do you teach? I mean, is that something that's teachable or do people just have to, I guess I'm curious your opinion on, do people just have to learn or what's your, what's your like feelings on sit out power? Maybe I'm, I'm too harsh, but I I think pain is your teacher. Um, You, you learn sit out power because you finally start to accept that there are certain markets you're, you know, you get honest with yourself and you're like, I'm just not good at this or this is too hard. It, I'm, I'm kind of like Brian and like, I, I only want to trade when it's easy now. I mean, if it's not easy, I don't want to do it. Like I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm old, not old. Shouldn't say that. I'm 56, what, what, but it's like I'm middle I aged. I don't, I don't have the same. <laughs> I, I deal with risk differently. I actually carry more fear nowadays uh, some of that's, you know, just nature of, of, of feeling like you're getting closer and closer to the, you know, to the to the end of your of your ability to do this. But it's it's different. It's it's more difficult than it is. And, and I'm and I'm I've got more money that I'm uh, that, that I'm dealing with. And so it changes your parameters. But um, I, I want to do it when it's easy and I don't want to do it when it's hard. And I. I don't think the only way I learned that is by getting my ass handed to me enough times and the pain of that, both financially and emotionally, maybe you're like, you know what? I'm just, this is an environment where I've learned that I got to, I got to step aside and just sort of wait it out. And it's hard because I am one of those guys where I make my living and I try to hit a number every single month and all that to try and, you know, make my life. And I'm, I'm trying to find a way to, uh, to, to diversify my income so that I don't have that gun to my head as much anymore, but it's, it's so difficult yet in the healthy environments, like we've had, like we had, you know, I don't know. I, I have, I have a hard time calling 2020 a healthy environment. That was its own animal. That was, um, that was, 
I mean, it, it led to what's happening now. And, and it was, it felt excessive the entire time, but it was incredibly easy to make money. So that was great. Um, now it's incredibly difficult to make money. Even if you're shorting, it's really hard to make money, in my opinion. So I, I don't know if there's a way to teach the skill. Um, we can we can warn, we can educate, we can we can help people understand. Because one of the things that, that that I think one of our greatest points of power is our ability to help people who are struggling be okay with the fact that this is really hard right now and that we feel like it's really hard too. That's one of the messages that I try and get out to people that resonates so well because they're like, oh, good, I'm really, really struggling right now. It's nice to hear that, that people who've been doing this for a long time are also finding this environment hard. It's like, yeah, this is just a way harder environment than what you had you know, two years ago where it was like shooting fish in a barrel. So it's but they got to learn that themselves. There's only so much you can tell people because most people who are traders are a little bit arrogant, have a little bit of a big ego, and they don't much like taking advice from other people. They kind of want to, you know, do their own shit. And I probably am quite guilty of that myself in life. Um, so getting your ass handed to you is the greatest teacher you possibly can have. You're, you're saying there's people, there's traders on Twitter that have egos and that are arrogant. I don't believe you. I know it's it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Newsflash, sorry, but <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is true. Brian, your thoughts on sit out power? If you have anything you want, like to chime in. Yeah, I mean, I wish there was a certain way you could sit that would help you just like not trade, but there isn't. It's it is is a really deep psychological thing. Um, mm. I I tell I tell traders I tell traders who are struggling. Uh, are you in therapy? Like go to therapy. Like I've I've gone to therapy for twenty years just for you know my regular issues because it's it's a it's a multi leveled issue why people get stuck in the market and it's usually something that's not related to the market. It's because you know their mom didn't love them enough or they didn't get picked for the high school football team. Something they're not even connecting. But yeah, that aside, I, I agree with that a thousand percent, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's and very the, real. And the years of work that that will take to do. Uh, I think here's the, the takeaway. So social media companies have spent billions of dollars to figure out tricks and algorithms to try and get our attention and to pull us back when we go away. The markets are the original social media. They're the OG social media. And they've got trillions of dollars that pull us, pull our attention in. So I think, you know, the only way I'm not going to say that, you know, if you, if you can't get away from the market, you're addicted, but you can't just cold turkey. You have to focus your attention somewhere else. And, and it's just basically refocusing your attention onto something healthier, focus it on your family, focus it on a hobby, focus it on your health. Like look at the things outside of the market in your life that you'd really like to take some time and put some effort into and take the time away from the market and put it to those good things. Um, and that's the only way you can really get yourself away because otherwise you'll just sit there like me last night at you know, 11 o'clock watching Luna implode and you'll just go, you know, what am I doing with my life? So how's, how's your Luna tattoo coming out right now? Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm changing the A to a D. So it says Lund. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but 
put your own. Now that that's arrogant, tattooing your own last name on yourself. That's perfect. I know, By right? the way, everyone who's listening, I appreciate. It. There's a lot of people on here. Uh, please follow these guys. They are not only great friends and and unbelievably genuine people, but they've been around the markets. They're willing to help uh, add tons of value to the community. I'm not going to kiss up to them any more than I have already. But please give them a follow because uh, they do add tons of value and and are very experienced traders. So please yeah, do that. I appreciate all, all your support, my friend. Um, uh, what was your last name again? <laughs> what, what's, what's your name again? Yeah, you what's are... your name again? No, what's, no. What's, I, what's I the line? If you, if you get her name in the morning, take her to Starbucks. I shouldn't yeah. say that. This is being recorded. Anyways, no, go but, ahead. But, <laughs> no, I was going to say, because I'm, I'm going to tell everyone else, because Joe's too nice to say this, but he is the nicest of nice guys and yeah. uh, super generous with his time. He's the, he's the first person I ever met from FinTwit in real life. We met at uh, Traders Expo uh, years and years ago at Bally's. And from the moment I met him, he's been a, a super genuine guy, a friend. So definitely, if you're not following Joe, I'm sure you are if you're on this, but you should follow him. Well, and thank you. Is, thank you. He is the mayor of Vegas. I'm telling oh, you, that's, that's, ain't that the <laughs> truth? God, like, he I knows remember. everybody. There's nothing better than go- I will never go to Vegas again without Joe. I will right? if I'm well, if I'm in Vegas, I'm I'm there with Joe. It's <laughs> it's like it's epic. You so think much you think yourself? You think you think? Oh, Joe must live here, and you're like, no, he doesn't live there. He just, but he knows everybody. I had the I probably had one of the top three dinners of my life. Right, you. Me, uh, Shannon, Tim. Oh, right? Brian yeah. Shannon and Tim Berkwin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where's Shannon? Shannon's it's out in the backcountry skiing right now. It's like, why no is he on this call? He's, I don't know. Backcountry skiing. He called me he's smarter than us. Like, that's why he's not again. That's sit out power. That's well, right. That is sit out power. The one thing I want to say to sit out power is you got to get away from the screens. If you're staring at it, if you think you're going to educate yourself by just saying, I'm just going to watch, you're going to pick up that fucking mouse and you're going to end up clicking buttons. So sometimes you, you sit, you sit, click. you sit in the barbershop long enough. You're going to get a haircut. You're going to get a haircut. So you got to physically remove yourself from your computer screens. And if that means you got to physically remove yourself from your house, then so be it. But you have to put parameters around yourself. And sometimes you got to build strategies to protect you from you because we're all kind of junkies at this and the market just can't wait for you to come back and, and, and offer up your, it's your, your money. Everything just, about life is discipline, self-discipline, and you got to have it on your own. You know, you can sit in front of your screens and if you're sitting in front of your screens, if the chocolate cake is sitting there and you know, you shouldn't eat it. I mean, you know, you're going to do damage if you don't have the discipline, no matter what it is in your life. So, um, and, and, and I, I kind of agree with you. Like when you said you didn't want to sound harsh saying this, we all have to learn the lessons the hard way. You have to put your hand on the stove enough times and get burned before, you know, when you're little, your mom's like, don't put your hand on the stove, don't do it. And you still do it. And then eventually, you know, you learn your lessons. So it's the same thing with trading. Um, and, uh, I, I think when people ask me, I was just curious, your guys feedback, when people ask me, how do you learn sit up power? I'm like, you just, you get punched in the face enough times to just, you just, you know, you just learn it, you know, on, on the, on the hard way, unfortunately. So somebody give us some good news. What's, I mean, cause I, I think one of the things that we need, we as, 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 as some of the voices need to, need to be more responsible about making sure that we're, we're constantly delivering a message of hope. Because I think that this, you know, I remember back, you know, going through the 2000 to 2003 bear and 
I'm not saying that this isn't as bad. It, it, it certainly in some respects has, it, it looks an awful lot like it. It's not worse. It's just very similar in my imagination. If this thing just continues to grind down day after day after day, kind of in the fashion that it did today where it gaps up and it gives you a little bit of hope and then it, and then it drops off and then it comes back again and gives you a little bit of hope. And then all of a sudden it just kind of falls off and just sort of fades into the distance at the end of the day. Imagine that day repeated I don't know, Brian, you went through it. Joe, you went through it. I mean, it was like that was that was like four out of five days every single week for I felt like six months in 2001. Um, well, you know, I mean, average bear market, six to nine months in longevity with a 27 percent correction. That's average, just like the market averages eight to 10 percent a year. But we know averages don't mean shit because it never does what the average is. But right. I don't think, you know, the 2000 to 03 and the. Oh wait, those were three year and 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 eighteen month bear markets. I don't see that. My positive message is I think this, you know, average uh midterm election bottoms around August, September. Of course, nobody knows. We'll take it day by day. And then hopefully uh they'll take they'll they'll stop with the rate hikes and uh get out of the way of the midterms, and then we can focus on the companies that are holding up with good growth growth prospects and usually the fourth quarter historically tends to be strong because they're out there. The new companies are out there. We don't have maybe necessarily they're not on our radar screens, but they're coming. If they haven't gone public, they will once the market gets a little bit healthier. I mean, we're already four or five months into this thing. So could we have another four to five months? Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're talking about, you know, another, another six months, even if it's another year where the action just sucks. Okay. That's fine. But that's going to open the door to another seven or eight years of great environment once this thing cleanses itself. And if you can just keep your fucking powder dry and, and, and keep your confidence up and protect yourself through this nasty time, it will produce, as Joe said, it will produce some glorious opportunities. I think it was Joe. It might've been Brian. Um, we probably both we probably both said both it, but it's, it's but protecting confidence is yeah. protect. I don't mean to interrupt. I just it's just such an important point. Protecting confidence is so important during this time. Even if you're trading and taking stops and buying and taking a tight stop and buying and t- it's just if you go through the process of a million paper cuts, you will you will start to implode on the inside internally. I've been through this. I know it. And so all of a sudden the market turns around and it goes and you're sitting in the corner like drooling, you know, in a straitjacket because you've been beat up with so many little nicks over the over, over the over the course of the bear market because you kept trying to play it. You kept trying to play it that when the really good market comes along, you don't take advantage of it because you're so spooked and so scared. So, Joe, I'll give you some. Sorry, Tom. Go ahead. No, that's it. That's that, that's because I got to go in about five minutes. So, Joe, I'll give you some uh, some macro good news. The macro good news is this: is that if you're on this call, you are aware of the markets, and maybe you're aware of the markets for the first time in your life in the last six months or last two years, and maybe you've taken some paper cuts, and maybe you're learning. Uh, but when this ends, here's the here's the takeaway. You know, there's a lot of talk in society the last few years about wealth in wealth inequality. And the stock market and markets in general are the most egalitarian wealth creation machines out there. They don't care who's sitting on the other side of the screen. It doesn't matter who your father or mother is. It doesn't matter what your gender, your background is, nothing. 
You can make money just like the next guy or gal if you put in the time. And I think that's a really optimistic take because when this all ends, you'll have a, a chance to, to get in the driver's seat and have some self-determination about your future. And I think that's exciting. And also, I just want to remind people that trading doesn't necessarily mean you know, making a million dollars in a year. Trading can be like supplementing your regular income, making 10, 15, 20% of what you make in your salary. That's, that's not nothing. And that helps change your life going forward. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a really that's good a point. point. Uh, are you guys up for taking a couple of questions? I'll leave it sure. up to you guys. If uh, yeah, I know some that. people have been waiting patiently um and i'll uh, nico go ahead if and thank you for waiting patiently if you got a question or a comment just unmute your mic yeah absolutely right um so yesterday mike novengratz on bloomberg was talking about you know his perception of when crypto will show a divergence from the equity markets and it's kind of in this sideways period of time that you guys are talking about wanted to get your guys's input on if you see crypto diverging from equities after this kind of all institutional sell-off happens and then the market starts to move sideways. Brian, I'll let you take that one yeah, if you want to go Brian, ahead. You're, gonna, you're the expert. You're the, the crypto expert. So it's a really <laughs> bad sign when I'm the crypto expert on the call. Right. Because <laughs> I am the farthest. Well, let me say real quick, no, Novogratz is a genius and he's the crypto expert. And he has said that the whole case for Bitcoin and crypto is uh, as sort of a, a anti whatever the word is correlation to the Fed policy, but so in other words, they did well because of the Fed's easy money policy. So he just made a simple point that now that the policy isn't so easy, crypto will be going through a correction. But I don't know sure. about, but I but go ahead. I don't know about the divergence part. So I think there, I think there's a fundamental uh, misunderstanding about crypto. I think if you're in the crypto community and you're a, a real adherent to crypto. You, you think of it in a um, almost a belief system. Like I, I see people talking about Luna and they say, we've got to keep the faith. You know, we've got to all hold together. And so if you're viewing crypto in that, you know, through that lens, I could easily see how you might think it is. It could be uncorrelated or become uncorrelated to the market. But the problem is, no matter how much philosophy you have around that, how much you believe in it, I think at the end of the day, greed and fear always wins out. They're just universal human traits. And if you're losing money and you need that money or it's going to put you in a bad position to lose that money, you're going to sell no matter what your philosophy is. So I think right. that's what we've seen. We originally saw crypto being this theoretical thing, this social experiment. But then when real money started to be made and real money started to be lost, you saw it correlate more with the markets. And so I just, I find a hard it's hard for me to believe that it's going to exist in its own island uh, separate from what the macro trends are going forward. Because at the end of the day, it's yet another financial asset. It, right? I mean, it has its purpose that it's serving, but it, it, it is at the end of the day, a financial asset. That's a question to you, Brian. Yeah. I mean, so the, the idea is that there's a utility behind uh, crypto coins. Right. And I get sure. that. Right. But but there also might come a point where the speculative part of crypto diverges from the utilitarian part. Like like crypto may just become a utility like we talked earlier, like uh, cell phones, you know, like there was a speculative market in cell phone manufacturers and then that popped. But then cell phones are still with us and we use them every day. So. 
I, I think that's the other problem is people have a hard time separating those two things and, and, and not understanding that you can get a rational exuberance around a solid technology that we may use for the rest of our lives, but that may never see the, the heights uh, you know, that it's seen currently. I mean, the right. innovation in that space is unbelievable. I mean, I, I, I will say it's just it's 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 incredible what they can create on. Uh, but at the same time. But is it is, is it that is it that great? Like, I mean, there's a there's but, a, there's a there's a theory out there that, that Google could come out with a distributed ledger just as easily as, you know, a crypto entity like Google could have the next blockchain and then we just use it as a product and it becomes commoditized. Right. Right. I mean, that's, no, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm like, like I'm dipping into dangerous water where somebody's going to hit me in the, you know, in the head with a baseball bat because I'm, I'm, I, I don't know enough. I know enough to be dangerous, but I don't know enough to actually, uh, talk credibly about it. So I want to make sure that I communicate that I'm, I am not a credible source when it comes to crypto. Uh, I see there's the an... fundamentals, but but I am on the I am on price action and and the crypto. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just is nothing new. Sorry, God. Yeah, agreed. Correct. Let's see. Go ahead, Mac. Uh, go ahead. You were requested to speak. Right. Yeah. Go thanks. Um, I appreciate you guys taking the time to to do this. By the way, I've learned so much just listening. Um, I have a question on real estate as it relates to this sort of market correction with equities. Are we going to see this spill into? sort of like single family uh, real estate rentals and investments. Cause like, I feel like what I've been doing, um, I mean, I got really lucky and I got out of like the equities market, like at the end of last year and crypto. So like, I'm one of those like few people who actually got out when it was high. Um, and what I've been doing is like stacking up cash, but I'm like, rather than like waiting to time the market, I'm like, maybe I should just keep investing in, in single family properties. So I'm just curious what you guys think. Are we going to see like uh, real estate prices also start going down um, in the near term? I, it's a supply demand equation, to be perfectly honest with you. And I don't know how you over time. I don't know how that doesn't happen because the demand has to be changing and the supply has to be changing. I've already heard of, of, of more supply coming on. If you have any familiarity with what with the way that the market has traded in Florida over the last two years, it's gone absolutely parabolic in, in certain parts of the in certain parts. Um, but you have to think about it. OK. Money's way more expensive now than it was six months ago. So if I could afford a, you know, people think like this. If I could afford a $5,000 a month payment and at, at, if money's at two and a half percent, that allows me to buy a house that's worth this much. Well, and now money is worth, now, now interest rates are at five and a half percent. But I can still only afford a five thousand dollar payment, so that means that, it, and I'm just—I don't have any idea what the numbers are that are attached to it. But if I if I could afford a one point two million dollar house, now I can only afford a, an eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. So, you know that that's going to change the dynamics. You've also got a lot of people that are waiting to sell their houses because they think the market's going to keep going. And when they see that it starts to tip over a little bit, you get this rush of supply. You're like, you know, all the oh shit sellers just start throwing their, you know, their, their things on the market because they want it. They want to hit their price. And I'm starting to see some of that. I've been a pretty active real estate buyer in the past few years, unfortunately, not by design or by or by investment. No, it's part. It's part of the witness. That's part of the witness protection witness program. protection program that I've been. I've <laughs> you been just on. keep moving uh, from state to state. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I bought a. I, 
I bought a condo in, in Scottsdale, Arizona for $515,000 that's listed on Zillow now for a million, two and a half years ago. It's like, you're, you're like, it's like, it's a little bitty thing. It's like, really? And Florida, same thing. Prices doubled, doubled. They've been climbing for the last eight years. And then all of a sudden from there, they doubled. Some even more than that. You're like, okay, that's not sustainable. So to answer your question, people have less money right now. People have less savings right now because all of their, you know, people are making decisions, looking at their 401ks and looking at their asset base and all of that. And they're going, well, look how much money I have to go and buy. I can afford to buy that. Well, all of that money that they're looking at is worth a lot less. If they're ARC investors, they're really getting their ass handed. Yeah, them. no, I want to get to some more questions, but really quick to you guys' point about, you know, hey, for sure, everything tends to go down in a correction, including, uh, you know, whatever, stocks, crypto, and real estate. And number two is, it's just simple, yeah, supply-demand, but it's also interest right. rates going higher with the, with the mortgage rates, you know, higher than 5 5.5% for the first time in how many years. That's going to affect... And that's part of what the Fed is trying to do with, um, you know, the demand destruction is to kind of, you know, hurt, hurt some of these assets. Um, Average Joe, you've been waiting patiently. Go ahead. If you got a question, average Joe, just unmute your mic. Go right ahead. Thanks, guys. Um, I have a question. You know, Warren Buffett said it just last week that the stock market has come become a gambling parlay. And um, I agree with them. I mean, with free trading, it's not like back in the 70s and 60s where, you know, you had to pick up a newspaper, do some research. It was more like a video game base and it was free. You know, you got Robin Hood, you have Web Bull, you have all these. And, you know, I, I sat back and talked to people that were starting to invest and, you know, they were just doing it by just not even knowing the company, just watching cycles and listening to stock twits or, or, you know, you know, different platforms that, um, you know, random people are speaking with. With that said, do you think, and, uh, and back in 15, 13, there were, there were, there were many speakers. And I think Tom, you, you hit it where you said it was just these, why is this going up this high? And, um, why is this, you know, it, we're at 30 something thousand now. And um, you think that we can go back to 17,000 where, where this free trading people were, weren't treating it as um, something you could just throw money at and it'll grow or, you know, like I can, I can be rich daily by it, you know, uh, and really have to study it and um, slow it down. And, and I think, you know, why I don't, I think, you know, that we're not doing as bad right now and i have been saying cash is king since back in september because i've seen everything going up because of coronavirus i think coronavirus actually helped us it slowed the the, the economy down it slowed production in, in most of these companies where now that we have war going on and we have interest rates going on they're not building to over capacity with homes with cars so we're actually, I think we're n the downturn will happen in another four to six months. The most aggressive one is where companies do start to hurt no matter because they're going to need to sell. And, you know, the, it's, it's going to hit their bottom line. I, you know, and people aren't going to have the money. They're not going to be able to buy that high price truck and have a, 
0% interest or go buy that $500,000 house and it's uh, 2.5 interest rate. Right. I think that, you know, I, and I've been doing research. They already saying that people that make a hundred thousand and above are starting not to buy homes. They're, they're, they're shying away. We right. still see the 50,000 and below um, well, let me- levels spending money like they shouldn't be. And yeah, they- go Sorry, go ahead, Tom. Sorry. Let me let me answer let me answer the first part of your question, and then Brian, Joe, you could take the rest of it because then I got I kind of got to scoot out of here, and I'm sorry. Um, no, no problem. Go ahead. The first part was addressing you know Warren Buffett saying you know the the stock market is a casino now. Uh, my my immediate reaction is well, for for a certain percentage of the public, I think the stock market has always been a casino. I don't think that that's anything unique to to right now. I understand that the times are different but if you've gone through and i know that joe has and brian has also if you if you went through the 1990 you know the, the 1990s into the into the early 2000s that process was very similar where all of a sudden everybody was talking about the stock market the nasdaq was on this y2k surge all through the end of 1999 and into early 2000 that looked very similar to the to the COVID surge of, of 2020 and everybody was making money hand over fist, and everybody was involved. No, we didn't have free trading, uh, but Ameritrade was around, you know, at ten bucks a trade or whatever. And that's when all that stuff started to kick in. And your barber was talking about what stocks he was buying. Your plumber wanted to know what stocks you were trading. You know, it was very similar in terms of everybody was doing it. And then that bear market occurred, and it wiped out a generation of traders absolutely wiped out a generation of traders, which might be kind of starting to happen here. And then at the end, the dust settles and, you know, the guys that, the guys that were able to, to, to sit out, the guys that were able to start to do their thing again, and the market starts to find its footing. And so I think it's just, it's less about specifically this time, because I don't think that this, um, hyper moment of, of, of extended like I, I can't my, my terminology isn't coming to me right now but the but the blow off top and then and then the bear market I don't think it's any different than any other major one that we've had in the uh, past. I, I would agree hundred percent with that I don't think when Buffett says that this is nothing new this is no, nothing new no. at all period end of sentence that's right. there's so I nothing want, new. I wanted to address that as far as all the other stuff and, and recession and whatever you know, I'll let you guys banter that around. Unfortunately, I have to go. Hey, Tom. So, yeah. Hey, Tom, it's Brad real quick. Hey, hey thanks, for, thanks for doing this. Uh, you bet. Um, I'm just wondering real quick if you had time. I think it might be helpful for, for some people to talk a little bit about the madman in you. And because uh, <laughs> I, I really think it's important. I think I think it's in everybody. Um, yeah. you know, I think we're wired like that. And I think it's this, you know, this these type of markets that, uh you know, it could be valuable to somebody to maybe hear your point of view on how you treat that madman in you. Oh, Thanks. I'll let you go. so many different ways to treat that madman. Yeah, I am a very emotional individual for those of you who don't know me or don't follow me on Twitter. Um, and I do have a bit of a madman in me. I can be very volatile at times with respect to my relationship with this fucking market that we have. Uh, I've always been that way. Um, for the longest time I was told it was wrong and whatever. And I finally started to realize that there was a lot of power in that madman. Um, 
even though there were times where he was also very destructive. And it, so it's, it's, if, if, and, and Brad, I don't know specifically what you're trying to get me to get at, but I, you know, He's he's trying he's trying to spark the madman right now. <laughs> yeah, but there is no. but he's right. There is a madman in all of us, and we all have that those triggers that cause us to all of a sudden go on tilt as traders and as investors. Where all of a sudden, you know what? Today, I can't be wrong today, and all of a sudden, and and where does that come from? Where does that that mechanism inside you come from? And it's a, I could go on and on about this. You son of a bitch you knew i was you know this is a trigger for me because i love to talk about this stuff because i think it's more important than just about anything as a trader um there are triggers that come from outside our life that both brian and joe alluded to earlier um that cause you to sit down at your desk and you bring needs to the market you need need for fulfillment you need a need you have a need to be right you have a need to be affirmed you have a need to be uh validated because things outside of, of the market are, are, are twisting on you and turning on you and, and forcing that need. And as soon as the market smells that you've got some sort of unhealthy need, it just starts to giggle. It's, I used to call it, when I would tweet, I would call it the reaper. Because um, the reaper knows when you're needy and when you're weak emotionally and it comes for you. And you have to protect yourself from those moments. You've got to be self-aware enough to know that when you've got those feelings operating on you, you cannot go anywhere near your computer. You just can't. So there is a, there is a good madman and there is a very destructive madman that lives inside you. And you have to figure out how to parse yourself out and feed the good one. And, and, and you can't bury it. You can't deny that guy. You cannot deny that evil madman. You have to say hi to him every single day and you have to greet him and you have to put him out on the table and, 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 and dine with him and get to know him and understand him so that you can manage him to the very best of your ability. Because if you try and just sort of stuff yourself down, it, he will find his way out and, and, and you will do things that will absolutely blow your mind. You'll be like, I cannot fucking believe I did that again. I cannot believe I did that. And I can't stop myself. I'm going to keep buying this thing until it goes up or we go bankrupt. I've been there. But but Tom, you're on a you're on a great rant right now. I just have to stress the one I, quick point. I know you have to go. That word self awareness, that phrase self awareness, you have to be self aware of this because yeah. that's ninety percent of the battle. If you're aware that you're losing emotional control, you have to be aware of that to be able to control that. And I guarantee it's why Brian goes to therapy, and it's why I've gone to therapy. I'm not going right now, but I'm going back into therapy starting next month. Just you got to talk about these issues and you got to get them out and you got to understand what makes you feel the things that you feel because it ends up playing itself out when you sit down at that desk. And so, um, a great, a great thing is, uh, read Ed Sakota in the original market wizards book. Uh, he talks about people get what they want out of the market that there's a lot of, there's a lot of that, what you just said that he covers in there in that chapter. So let me say goodbye. I, I love that all of you are here. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll leave it in Joe and, and, and Brian's hands. Uh, good things are coming. Say hi to me on Twitter. DM me if you were here, whatever. And uh, I'll talk to everybody down the road. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks. We'll, we'll keep this again. going. But thank through. you. Yeah, thanks for hanging out. I really appreciate right. your time. Thank See you, you guys. You bet. 
we have who else? Uh, Mindful Growth. Go ahead if you got a question. Cool. Thanks me. a lot. I really appreciate your guys' time. So my question is about cash on the sidelines and um, what you guys are up to for the next couple months. So you've got a bunch of cash on the sidelines. Are there indicators they're watch you're watching for? Um, are you nibbling on you know days like today or days when the market's down three to five percent? And then the other thing, you know, you guys mentioned just like stay patient and wait a couple months. Um, but I feel like there's been a couple fake rallies where the Nasdaq has gone back back up to 14k. And you know, when I think about COVID, if you would have waited, let's say you know it happened March 23rd and you wait till early May, you miss a big portion of the rally. And so just kind of curious how you guys are handling this and how you're thinking about it and if there's any indicators. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, I, uh, there's, there's a great, uh, point that you're making. I tweeted out this article. I'm just trying to find it. I'll tweet it out again. Uh, I wrote it for Yahoo finance in March, five things that need to happen before the market turns around. And I'll just repeat them really quick. Uh, some people have already heard this, but improvement in growth stocks, the fed to end their, Rate hiking cycle, institutional buying to come back in. Right now, is um, it's all it's only selling, so you need them to come in consistently. I'd like to see sentiment reach extreme bearishness. It's escalating, but not at extremes. And the fifth one is a resolution with Russia and Ukraine. I don't think there'll ever be a resolution, but at least some tensions to calm down. Um, so that's the five things, and I'll tweet out that article again. But to your point about like if you missed the March twenty third low and brian please free, feel free to chime in on this if you want if you miss miss the late march low um and during covid and by the time a lot of things set up i honestly made the bulk of my money in like may june july so i didn't get the september one high i didn't get the march lows i just waited for everything to line up stock set up so it was just like the real like like I hate when people talk about uh, timing the markets because they're assuming you're getting the dead lows and the dead highs. I never, ever in a million years claim to get the dead lows and the dead highs. I'm just trying to get what's called a power trend when stocks are setting up, volatility is low, growth stocks are working, they're breaking out, and you can really make nice sort of 20 to 30% breakouts on a lot of stocks. So I wait patiently for that to happen. As I said before, what gives me the confidence and what doesn't make me depressed during these corrections is knowing that 100% that time will come again. I just don't know when. And when it does, as they say, that's when like you're going to make 80% of your money on the year is when that happens. So, Brian, yeah, go I mean, ahead. Yeah, so I, I think you can – it depends on your time frame. And, and by the way, I think it's important to – mentioned that you can be operating in multiple time frames at, at once. Like you can have a long-term time frame in one account, you can have a short term in another. So like if it's if it's swing trading, um, I'm not gonna get involved in swing trading until the eight day crosses back above the 21 day and it holds for a while, right? Till we get priced back above there. I need to see that. Um, I also, you know, for a longer term trades it's always what happens after the first big rally. And I don't, I don't mean like one day. I mean, like, so when we, in the, uh, the middle of March, we got that two-week rally, right? We rallied up really strong. There were opportunities to get long there. Then we pulled back for a couple of days. Then we started to go up again. Then we failed, right? So it's always what happens after that first reaction uh, trend. And so until I can start seeing some of those trends resolve higher in, until, you know, it sounds so basic, but until I can start seeing some bases, until I can start seeing some 
higher lows, you know, I'm just going to be very docile on the side. And, and at some level is I'm a technical trader, but like at some level, there's a feel to this, you know, it's, I can't really put it into words and you just have to kind of see the price action with the sentiment action with the news flow and say, okay, maybe this isn't the bottom, but this is a reasonable place that I can define my risk that I can start putting money in the market. And then if it goes back below that, that level, then I can get out again. Um, so that's probably not the most satisfying answer, but it's the best I can give. Yeah, Brian, I think the term for me is trading instincts. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, I, think, I hate to say I think, that because it's so it's so subjective. And I no, but people... it, it's you know what for people who play poker like Phil Ivey's one of the best poker players out there, and you just can't teach when the guy's got an incredible read on somebody, and you watch it on TV, and you're like, how did he fold that hand? How did he do it? It's called poker instincts. You just can't teach that. I don't believe you can, you, and I think that. Can... Go ahead. Yeah, you can't you can't teach it, but I don't I don't want to. The only way you can get it is by screen time, and I don't want to give the impression that someone that's been doing this for a couple of years and they feel a gut you know instinct one way or the other they should go with it. Like I'm talking about 30, 35 years of you know just it's it's in my DNA. Um, so yeah, you go with your gut, but only when you've got enough screen time to justify. It. And and that's what Ivy Ivy's got. You know, how many hours does he have? in those chairs. Um, oh yeah. The, the story, the story with him is when he grew up in Atlantic city, he used to play when he, he had a fake ID when he was right, under right. whatever the age was, he used to play. And then when he turned 21 and everyone's like, Hey Bob, he's like, no, that's not my name. This is my real name. Because <laughs> everyone knew him by, but he put in those hours since he was like 14, 15 years old. So it is the, the hours. But again, I just want to stress it's, you can't have FOMO about missing out on the lows when, I remember September 1 of 2010 when we had a big follow-through day and Bernanke announced QE2 at the Jackson Hole Symposium. It's scary how I can remember random things in the markets, and I literally don't remember what I had for dinner last night. But he announced QE2, and the markets took off. I was mostly in cash, and for like the market took off 7.5% in three days, and I sat there literally in cash. And then it didn't matter because... Things went sideways, things set up, and by mid-October, that's when Lululemon broke out and Chipotle broke out and so many stocks took off, Baidu, a few others, and I ended up having a killer fourth quarter, and I literally missed a huge move off of the lows because now that's what I do. I trade individual stocks, so I've also learned that FOMO is an emotion you really need to control, fear of missing out. For people who don't know the acronym, it's something you really need to control uh, on every little potential rally here. And that and actually goes back to what uh, Tom was talking about uh, before he got off. There, there's there's so many things you can do totally outside the market, separate from the market, that will help you be a better market participant. And like I said, that could be therapy, but that could be, you know, Tom kind of, he, he painted it a little bit more darker uh tone but like, <laughs> I, I, I call it, like he called it the what the insane wild man or something the madman yeah, yeah but it but for me it's it's simple mindfulness and so everybody that follows me knows i'm adhd like i'm not adhd like like cliche like i'm literally diagnosed in my 40s as adhd and it makes perfect sense if you look back to the arc of my life and what would happen one of just one of the results of being adhd is that friday afternoon i would start some project that i want to do with for the weekend. And by Sunday, I would have 10 different projects all halfway done 
and I wouldn't, I wouldn't realize how I did that. Like I couldn't think back on how this happened, but I'd look and I have 10 halfway done projects. And so one of the things about going to therapy and one of the things you learn about ADHD is you recognize those clues as to when do you go into that mindset, right? That, that, uh, that manic mindset, that catastrophization mindset, um, that, you know, whatever it is. And you go, Oh, wait a minute. I now I'm going into that mindset right now. Okay, cool. I don't have to go in there. Right. And you just, you're mindful, but sometimes these auto thoughts and these auto actions we have, we, we, we just act on them without even realizing it. So, um, you know, like with Thomas saying, you have to recognize when the wild man gets in there. Like, that's what I say. You just have to be a little more mindful of when you're starting to do some of these, um, less than positive, uh, actions or traits and just say, no, nah, I'm not going to do that today. Yeah. Mindful growth. I don't know if that helps answer the question or if you had any sort of follow-up or, you know, counter comments or anything. Yeah, no, that that's super helpful. I mean, I just think about it as like, I was trying to catch falling knives, you know, not having the experience that you guys have. And you look at stuff like Redfin went from 100 to eight. And you could miss a 30% move in Redfin at $8. And that thing's going to be a $10 stock, you know, I think it's harder with the with the indexes. But um, no, these your comments and your your guys, uh, this has been really helpful. So thanks for sharing your experience. Yeah, no, no problem. And to your point in a downtrend, you know, like let's say PayPal from 300 down to 80, there's been several or even Redfin, any of these stocks that are in severe downtrends, Teladoc, Peloton, there've been counter trends of 20 to 30% several times along the way. I just think that you have to take a step back. I like to use weekly charts when you learn how to read charts and, and, you know, that takes time, as Brian said, screen time or even books uh, for people who aren't familiar, like um, how to make money in stocks, William O'Neill uh, fourth edition. It's an orange cover. It's like probably $15 paperback on Amazon called How to Make Money in Stocks by William O'Neill. If you literally study the first hundred pages of that of that book and the charts, just, just just like try to ingrain them into your mind. I think that is the most valuable $15 lesson you will get in the markets is learning how to read those charts. And when I look at those, I'm kind of digressing here, but when I look at the weekly charts and I see a lot of those stocks are in such severe downtrends, I don't really care about the 20 or 30% counter trend rallies because number one, they're too difficult to time. And number two, I don't care because the stock's in a severe downtrend anyway. So it's not a stock that would be on my radar. So, um, but again, there's different ways to treat the market. There's, I'm more of a growth manager. I like growth stocks and things that are in uptrends. There's also people who are interested in value names and buying things that are beaten down. But I've said this in a few spaces before is number one, you got to scale into those names. So don't go all in at once. And number two is you have to accept you might have to buy it lower if you've done the fundamental work and you love a company. And number three is you're going to have to accept it's going to take a long time for it to come back because of overhead resistance. All the sellers above that price that want to get out when it gets when it get when it gets them back to even. Hey, Joe, I've got to bounce at the bottom of the hour. So I just want to give you a heads up. So. Okay, no problem. Yeah, we're going to wrap this up soon anyways. Um, I don't know if there was uh, – let's see. Let's see. There's another one here. Let me just add a speaker, someone who wanted to chime in. Air Bayer 1, go ahead unmute your mic if you got a question or comment. Thank you so much for um, having me on. Um, I had a question, I guess, like, you know, for Joseph and um, really um, Brian as well. Um when you're trying to time these sort of like, you know, um, market downturns, I guess like, you know, do you guys try and like, you know, 
I guess, like cash out at like a 15%, like, you know, gain or, or a 30% gain, I guess, like, you know, I think a lot of people are feeling like, you know, just overall in the NFT markets, like, you know, these like crazy downward trends. So, like, how do you guys, I guess, like, you know, combat, like, you know, like um, fear of like, you know, being greedy or anything? Just your thoughts on that. Yeah, thank you. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. So I tend to be a little bit more um, active intraday and, and swing as well. But I generally speaking, there's two things I need to know before I enter a trade. One is where will I be wrong? Right. So what's my stop? That's super important because that's going to determine my position sizing right there. And I have to have a reasonable target, some point that I think the stock has a reasonable chance of getting to whatever time frame that may be. Maybe if I'm trading on a five minute chart, maybe it's with before the end of the day. And so those targets going to be based upon different things. They could be based on if it's a counter trend trade, it might be based upon a, a moving average that's coming down. It might be a resistance level. Um, so I have to start with those two things and that helps me a lot. Now, between where you get in and where you exit, a lot of things can happen. There's a lot of variables that can happen. And I have certain, uh, indicators I use like on a, on a five minute chart, I'll use the five and a nine EMA. And as long as the stock is moving up above those and I'm closing above those, I'll stay with it. Um, sometimes you'll get a stock that will move halfway to your profit target. And then it starts getting, you know, having some bad uh, price action and you have to make a, a judgment call or it's maybe something macro happens. So, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to make 15% or 20%. I'm trying to make a move based upon a chart based, um, you know, some, some chart based criteria um, and to, to kind of a little bit dovetail. It's not exactly a, a apples for apples comparison, but Joe mentioned Phil Ivey before and, one of the things I learned from uh, poker players is that, so one of the big questions in the market is like, it's perpetual. It's always there, right? Let's say you get up 25% in the first month of the year. Do you just stop trading for the rest of the year? Because that's not bad, 25%, right? What if you trade the rest of the year and you give it all back? You kick yourself. So knowing when to stop is really tough. And the way that uh, professional poker players figure that out is not really by how much they're up or they're down. It's by how well they're playing. They understand that there'll be bad swings. They understand that there'll be bad luck. So if they're at a five or six hour session, but they're playing good, they're doing what they're supposed to, maybe they're not winning. They'll continue playing because they know that eventually their the way they're acting, their 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 good behavior will get them back in profit. The opposite of that is if they're tr if they're playing really bad, even if they're making money, they're more likely to step out. So that's the other factor is like if I if I notice that I'm getting a little too loose. If I notice that I'm taking too many chances, I'll just say, I need to close my positions out and, and go another day. But if I'm if I'm obeying my stops, if I'm obeying my targets, if I'm being disciplined, I'll just keep my positions open or I'll keep trading as long as I'm you know doing things the way I should. Thank you for answering that. And I guess I had one more question. You know, um, how do you guys, I guess, like, you know, feel about like, you know, everything that happened with UST and like, you know, the Luna, like, you know, um, debacle, I guess, like, you know, what are some things that, like, you know, people should look out for in terms of like, you know, avoiding sort of these similar pitfalls, I guess. Joe. <laughs> I, I mean, as far as crypto NFT, I'm not in that space. Um, too much to comment on that uh real quick brian do you still have that article on r um i know yeah. i could okay because that's a great 
article on risk reward because I, I will tweet out two articles. One, when someone asks things to look for for a bottom, I'll tweet that out. And I'll also tweet out Brian's article on R because I think it's brilliant and kind of measures that risk reward thing. I can't comment on like avoiding what happened in Luna because that you know I mean you have to have some stops in place and that's just something where again I can't, it's tough to comment on that. But the answer to your question, your previous question, is there's no right or wrong answer whether you take ten percent, fifteen percent, or whatever. I think that's something that each individual person should develop on their own and develop their own style and develop your own time frame that fits your temperament, that fits your personality. I always say, if you don't have a personality, go out and get one. But, but, but seriously, like one that fits your, you know, whether it's investment objectives, you know, some people work full time and they can't trade short term and don't have the temperament for it. Some people like to go to cash every night and only trade short term. So there's no right or wrong answer. I think like when to take profits and all that stuff really just depends on your style and time frame and strategy that everyone should develop on their own. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate your time and, uh, you know, love, uh, you know, all the um, information, helpful insights. So thank you so much. Appreciate no, it. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for, for that. Uh, Brian, I know you have to go. Um, you know, if I'll, I'm going to stick around for a little bit and then I do have to run any sort of uh, closing words, wisdom, positive, anything you want <laughs> to add to close it out. Uh, I'll just answer his question about crypto because this is a, a question I've I've been posed for many years now. Like, well, crypto, why, you're a trader, right? Why don't you just, why can't you trade crypto? Why don't you trade crypto? And I have a little bit, but not a lot. And um, it's true. Like if you can, you know, I just say, if you can give me a chart, I can, I can trade it. But there's a couple problems uh, that I have with crypto. I don't trust the, the mechanics of the crypto industry. Um, you've got these, highly unregulated uh, i don't even want to call them exchanges but you know you have these exchanges that are domiciled in the maldives or wherever um they don't i don't believe they have robust risk management systems uh people say well you just put a stop in i think what you're going to see when you know when the whole crypto card house of cards comes down is those stops won't mean anything like you, you're, you'll see prices just go right through those stops. So I think there's a false sense of security. And when you see something like Luna, when you see that wholesale liquidation of a $40 billion crypto coin overnight, that tells me there's, there's structural problems within crypto. It's not a mature industry. And the problem is it looks on the screens the same as it looks when you look at a stock, but Stocks are traded on exchanges that have been battle tested by trillions and trillions of dollars worth of uh, transactions over decades and decades. And so my concern about crypto is that when it goes south, when you see a, a, a Luna, it's going to go south fast. And all those safeguards that you need, that's when you need it most. They won't be there. And so I worry about people losing money really fast uh, in crypto. And that's why I'm, I've been very reticent to, to get involved in it with any size. And eat your carrots. Carrots are good for you. There you go. Did we lose you, Joe? Oh no, I'm here. Oh no, I was I was on oh, mute. I'm sorry. I was on mute. I was just saying thank you for uh for hanging out and for your yep. time. Everyone give him a follow. I know you gotta run. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll do it again soon. I got about a few more minutes. One of my friends just hopped on as well. So I'll let you go if you got to run. But thank you All so right, much for hanging out thanks, with us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's always good talking with you. Awesome. Thank you. Fahad, I got about three or four minutes. So go ahead if you got a comment or question. I know you always have some good wisdom. Go ahead if you want to ch- chime in. Hi, Joe. How's it going, buddy? Doing, um, doing well. Doing well. Well, I have COVID, so I'm only going to keep it for a couple of minutes. I just got positive tested this morning. So, Are you feeling um, okay? Yeah, a little fever, but I'm going to go and take long. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to go to bed early and probably just not look at this market for the next two days, hopefully recover by the end of the week. We'll see. Anyways, always fun to be on these, uh, on these spaces with you. Um, I just have one question. Are we starting to see the signs that this is turning into mindless selling at this point? I mean, it's possible. It's one of those things where I just see, I talked about earlier, you know, not to depress people, but the technicals are getting worse. And you would normally expect those one to three day short covering rallies or some days when we gap up, I'm expecting, okay, we'll run for a couple of days, but it is just weak. It's any strength is being sold into. There might be some funds, you know, like with Tiger Global coming into this month down 40 something percent on the year. There's a lot of copycat funds. Arc funds is down 60 percent year to date. It's it sucks. But there's a lot of funds that are in the same basket of stocks and they just might be hitting redemption. So that's possible. And, but yeah, but ahead, that's, yeah, that's that's a very that's exactly what I was thinking, too, that, you know, I am just the way I read the market. This is starting to look a lot like definite signs out there of mindless, senseless selling pressure now at this point. And let me put it this way. Um, you know, I, I shared this 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 article on Twitter um, yesterday, and then I talked about it um, with some of my friends earlier today, too, that the 60-40 portfolios have been decimated year to date. I don't know if you, if you saw that chart or not. It's Down one of the worst 40, starts. Yeah, 49%. Now you think about it, the 60-40 portfolios are those that are moms and pops that work with some family offices around the country, um, money managers helping in retirements, 401k planning, and all kinds of things. These are largely long-term holdings. in bonds, 60% in stocks, well diversified. But what you're seeing here is that stocks are down double digit percentage. NASDAQ today is down 28% from the highs, S&P down 18%. Um, Bonds are getting killed down 30% since the start of the year. You can't go there and hide either. Cryptos are getting killed. You can't go there. Commodities are not working either. Copper, look at copper prices and crude oil has been flat. Natural gas recently started to give up to you can't go either. You can't go into any foreign currencies either because you've got U.S. dollar too strong. So that's killing everybody else out there, too. So there's no asset class remaining where you could possibly go. So when you have an environment of this magnitude, if you and if you're only long bias, you start to. Look at, okay, you know, Facebook blew up. Okay, that's one stock. But next thing you know, PayPal blows up. And next thing you know, Netflix blows up. And now you're starting to wonder, is there anything safe in my portfolio? And one by one, you know, you okay, you know what? I'm just going to lighten things up. This is too scary for me. And that's when, that's the sort of a price action signs I'm starting to see in front of me where it doesn't even matter anymore what these companies report. 
they just go down 20% after hours. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know if, if reckless selling, maybe it's the same. It dep- who really cares what the term is? I, I think of it as forced liquidation, where I don't know all the mechanics of like a mutual fund. You get your report. People are redeeming, you know, the, at least an ETF you sell right away. But if, you know, you get your reports that you have to take down your levels, there's a lot of forced liquidation. There are some funds blowing up, which I'm sure we'll hear about over the next month or two. Um, and this is where I don't argue with the markets and just get the heck out of the way to your 60, 40 point, at least in 2008, the bond portions helped cushion the stock drop because when the, when the bonds, whatever the 10 year dropped from 2% to zero and the bonds went up that at at least helped cushion the 40, 50% decline we had in 08 during the housing and financial crisis. But I agree to your point, rates are going up. So even the bond part, which is supposed to be conservative and cushion the equity part, that's also going down, too. You know, I see I see environments now that on a daily basis, a lot of people like to tweet out before the market close with a list of tickers that are going to report after earn after hours and a cushion. OK, so who's going to blow up tonight? I mean, that's the market we have gone into where it's it's literally the question now is who's going to be down 20% tonight or 30% tonight well, and every the... day every night something blows up multiple of them blow up i mean it just it just there's no rationality to this anymore the way i see this it. is becoming more and more mindless now at this point it doesn't even matter what the numbers are and i see uh, this sort of exact opposite of what i used to see during september to november period last year when we had reckless buying, particularly anything that was correlated to NFTs and, and you know, or anything, um, despite the fact that the Federal Reserve was setting the grounds and was telling everybody that we're going to start going down the path of hiking and tightening. Uh, and at that time, nobody cares. And now, by the way, today's inflation was a clear read of a decelerating trend, but the market does not care. There's just my read. I just wanted to make an observation. There's no more to it, but I thought it would be nice to get your, uh, get your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And uh, I don't mean to cut. I know there's some people who want to requesting to speak, but I do have to run. We've been on this for over an hour and a half. But no, I appreciate it. I just want to kind of close it. Thank you for for chiming in with your comments. And and of course, feel better. Uh, please get better soon and get some rest. Um, I, I Look, this is a correction. If you study history, I used to not understand these things because I'm never critical. When I started trading in the 90s, I just assumed everything always went up and I did not understand the cycles of the market. It's a little bit of pain we have to go through. But what helped me comprehend it is even if you just get simple, there's a lot of free charting, stockcharts.com, free stock chart, a lot of different free Yahoo Finance, free charting packages where you can just Google even historical charts and that will help build a little bit of perspective that the word acceptance, you just have to accept we're in a correction right now. The selling sucks, as they say, you know, stairs up, elevator down. It's it's accelerating on the downside. And you just have to be very, very defensive here and protect your capital and protect your mental capital, because this isn't just some bullshit positive message. We will have a tremendous new uptrend with some great stocks and great opportunities coming out of this. You just have to wait for the dust to settle and be very, very patient uh, during this correction. So thanks, th- Joe. I'm going to drop off and I'm going to go. to. Bed. Yeah, I'm going to end this. Get some rest. Thank you for saying hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for chiming in. I know some people wanted to speak and I just can't get to everybody. I really can't tell you how much I appreciate everybody 
uh, chiming in. We had this recorded, so the, the, the same link, if you want to go back and listen to anything, will be available, and we'll hope to do another one soon. Keep your head up, and we'll see you on the stream soon. Thank you. Um, I would like to repeat that want to be canceled from the Lund Loop, whatever you've got me on, um, if you wish to call and explain what it is, uh, actually, uh, forget that. Well, that's it for this episode. If you got any questions, hit me up at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at thelunloop.com. I'll see you next time. Bye.